Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Buncher Radio, Trey Anity, Marty Leap with you, episode 11. The last time we talked, the Pirates were 0-0. Zero and zero. The season had yet to begin, and things were looking up, really. I mean, we were, you know, we were finally getting baseball. And Marty, after four games, I can't sit here and, and, and act like I'm not excited that everything has happened the way it has, that we are getting to watch the Pirates play in 2020, but... Uh, we sit here recording this episode just minutes after one of the most ridiculous, absurd, not even necessarily heartbreaking, just baffling losses I think I've ever experienced as a Pirates fan. What happened Monday night in the home opener against the Brewers? Yeah, it was frustrating. It was annoying. It was disheartening. It was a lot of things. I mean, the Pirates are going to lose more games than they win this year. Everyone knows that. But to lead 5-1 to one going into the ninth inning and to find a way to lose. Joe Block said on the broadcast that it's the first time since 2006 the Pirates had at least a four-run lead in the ninth inning at home and lost. And I think what's most disheartening to me with this loss tonight, it, it, was, it was a horrible, just horrible game for Derek Shelton. I thought it was just one mistake after another for him as a manager, really beginning in the seventh inning on. It made mistakes in the ninth, made mistakes in extras. And I think that's what's most disheartening to me is to see this new manager make a lot of the same mistakes that we watched Clint Hurdle make the last few years. That I sat here and pulled my hair out over with Hurdle. To see it happen again with Shelton tonight is very disheartening. Well, and, and you know, that's the thing. It's like, this wasn't an atmosphere thing. There were no fans in the ballpark. This was simply just a collapse internally for the Pirates tonight. Um, so, some positives to take away. I mean, you know, we'll get into it here. Colin Moran is is swinging the lumber better than we've ever seen him uh, hit the baseball. And some guys really stepping up. A 5-1 to lead at one point in this game. And really, you know, the best we've seen uh, uh, Chad Cool pitch. And obviously, it's been a while since we've seen him pitch in general. But comes out and is electric, dominant even, uh, and, and really some solid work out of Stephen Brault as well. This was not a game at, you know, even bottom of the eighth, top of the ninth. Anybody thought we would be looking back with negatives. There were so many positives to take away. But a four-run ninth does give the Brewers a chance in extras. They capitalize in the 11th, defeating the Pirates 6-5. to five. Um, Yeah, I, I mean, there's really, this was this was Derek Shelton. There's no other explanation. There's, you know, and you, players make plays. You got to get the outs. If you're Michael Feliz, you got to be more efficient. If you're Kyle Crick, you have to zone in and get that out, um, and especially against a guy in Ryan Braun that is an absolute pirate killer. 
but where where do we go from here? Do you just completely reset with the bullpen strategy? Obviously, Kyle Crick has no business coming out of the bullpen anymore. Yeah, that's what was so frustrating to me. I mean, I I did not like I did not like Sheldon not pinch hitting for Gregory Polanco in the seventh inning against Claudio, especially in Polanco's first game of the year and in his first major league regular season game and maybe over full count year at this point, to be honest with you, because I don't remember when he got shut down for the year last year. I didn't like that decision, but in the end, that one really didn't burn them because Dyson came through later in the inning and made it four to one and then was five to one on a wild pitch. But the bullpen, I, I just don't get it. I mean, in the seventh inning, it's a tie game or you have one nothing lead, excuse me. And you go to Nick Turley, who, prior to Saturday, hadn't pitched in Major League. He hadn't pitched Majors or Myers. He had not taken a mound in a professional baseball game since 2017. <laughs> and, like, I, I didn't totally hate it at first, but whenever you have the tying run scoring position and two outs and, and Lorenzo Cain coming to the play at the top of the Brewers lineup, he shouldn't be in that game. You've got to go to Nick Birdie there or Clay Holmes. It's just, you have to. And that burns them because he gets up to hit to Kane. Now, tip of the cap to Nick Turley, because after he gave up that game-tying hit to Kane, Keston here reaches on an error, and he's facing Yelich with the bases loaded, and he gets Yelich to fly out to end the inning. But then in the ninth inning, it's 5-1, to one, and I was fine with bringing in Michael Fleas. I still think Michael Fleas will be a contributor to the bullpen this year. But when he gets in trouble and Kyle Crick is who you get up, you just you can't. Crick's velocity's down three, four miles per hour on all of his pitches. His spin rates are out of whack. Something is clearly wrong with Kyle Crick. Rather, it's a matter of he's lost it, he's injured, whatever it is, something is wrong with Crick. And when you have the tying run in scoring position with two outs in the ninth inning, you can't go to him especially when you have Birdie available. And, you know, Nick Birdie is as filthy as anybody in baseball. He's pitched once all year, which was yesterday, when he threw 11 pitches. You have Clay Holmes, who might be your second-best reliever, who has not pitched since Friday. I just – I don't get what was happening. And then in extra innings, you continue to ignore those two, and you go to Doivitas Nevarowskis, who, I mean, for God's sake, if he pitched in my 10-year-old's Little League – League, I don't believe Navarrosis could pitch a scoreless inning in the V.E. Erickson or Butis League here in Johnstown. I really don't. And I just don't understand the decision-making from Shelton tonight. And that's why I'm frustrated. That's why I'm angry. That's why I'm ranting and rambling here. Not because they lost, because the Pirates are going to lose more games than they win this year, but to lose due to just terrible in-game managing from your manager is something that I will just will always drive me insane. I mean, anyone who follows us on Twitter will see me bash managers from other teams when they do stupid stuff. It drives me up a wall. So when the Pirates manager does it, I really get frustrated. I just, I don't understand what he was thinking with his bullpen tonight. 60 games. 60 games is all that will be played this year. When you have a chance to beat a team in your division, Early in this season, you have a four-run lead in the ninth inning, and you can't get it done. It's not, like you said, this team's going to lose games this year. Nobody picked this team to come in first, second, third, or even fourth place in the NL Central. This team is supposed to lose games. But when you have the game won, when you have done everything it takes to defeat a team that's tied with you at the time, to give yourself a chance to be half a game out of first place. You have to, have to win that game. 
especially when you haven't even played five games on the season yet. A tough one, but like I mentioned a minute ago, some positives to take away. Let's let's get into the the offense a little bit here. How about Colin Moran? This guy has just continued to hit through the opening series uh, in St. Louis. We we saw a bomb there. Uh, you know, just just some really well struck baseballs. Home opener tonight. A couple of them. One into the river off of the bounce. Redbeard is looking insane. Let's talk about how this is going to affect you know, Phillip Evans and the way that the Pirates are going to set up their offense the rest of the year. you got to love what we're getting out of Colin Moran at this point. We've talked about it before here on the podcast. I've written a bunch about this. When the Garrett Cole trade went down, to me, Colin Moran was the big piece of that trade. He was a top, I think he was a sixth overall pick in the draft by the Marlins, I want to say. I was always a big fan of his in North Carolina. I thought Moran was going to come here and really be a solid middle lineup bat for the Pirates. He has not been that thus far. That said, it doesn't mean he can't do it. And it looks like this year, again, it's four games, but he just looks like a totally different hitter. I go back to the one home run he hit against the Cardinals on Sunday. His first at bat against Dakota Hudson, Hudson threw him a slider with two strikes that Moran was just totally overmatched with, looked totally unprepared for. And then Hudson tried to come back that slider again a second at bat, and Moran made the adjustment and drove it out of the ballpark for a home run. It, things like that are where he really looks like a different hitter. I know during spring training and during summer camp, the Pirate coaches, led by hitting coach Rick Eckstein, really were driving the hype train from Moran and said that this was going to be the year he kind of finally put it all together. And so far, it looks like it. And, hey, I'm sure – Having Key Brian Hayes behind him, having Philip Evans and Jose Ozuna hitting the ball the way they are so far this season, where they could push Moran out of the lineup potentially, all those things are going to give him extra motivation, some extra push. But it does look like we, again, you got to take it with a grain of salt. It's only four games. But considering that Pirate coaches said this about him during the spring, during the summer, it looks like this could be the year Moran may finally put it all together. And even if he doesn't, he, I mean, hey, he's off to a great start this year, and he's really uh, mastered the art of making an impression in the home opener. His first home opener with the Pirates two years ago hit a grand slam in the first inning. Two home runs tonight. First time that's been done in the home opener since Garrett Jones 2010. But th- there's no doubt about him. Brandon's as hot as any hitter in baseball right now. All right, that's enough of the positive stuff. Derek Shelton, why are you putting Kyle Crick? In this game, no, uh, no, I agree with everything you said there about Moran. But all of it's forgotten, and we were talking about it before we got on tonight. Even if the Pirates had won this game, it, it would have felt like a loss. None, you know, everything that Moran contributed tonight, everything you know, you see Gerard Dyson driving a few uh, with with a big hit there. All of it is wiped. All of it is forgotten. Even Richrod came in and had a great inning, uh, but. It's just, you know, we sit in this spot now at, at one and three, feeling so much differently than two and two. But overall, from those first four games, obviously in this fourth one, Derek Sheldon couldn't have, couldn't have looked much worse. But but what's your what's your thoughts? What's your feeling on on the new regime here in Pittsburgh? From the get go, I really liked the Derek Sheldon hire. I did. I know he's someone who's very respected around baseball. He is someone who the Pirates were not the only opportunity he had this offseason. He has brought a real breath of fresh air into that clubhouse. He's trying to build a winning culture. And, you know, in last our most recent episode with Michael McHenry, he touched on a lot of the things Sheldon 
and his staff are doing to turn this clubhouse culture around. That said, and again, it's only four games. It's a year the Pirates aren't going to be very good. It's a year that, in all honesty, the Pirates might be attempting to tank a little bit anyway for the draft. But four games in, there's been a lot of things with Sheldon that have led me to pull my hair out. I mean, if you go back to Friday night in St. Louis, when you go to the eighth inning and you're down by a run after you scratch and claw and fight back into that game, and you go to Richard Rodriguez, who just was horrible last year, looked awful in summer camp against the Indians, and he gives up that two-run home run to Paul DeYoung that proves to be the game-winning hit when the Pirates are able to rally and score twice in the ninth inning. You know, I understand Sheldon wasn't with this team last year, but you have the data, you have the results from a year ago to show you that going to Rich Rod there probably wasn't the best idea. And then today, just again, between not pinch hitting for Polanco in the seventh, and the fact that you lose the game by one run, and at no point, Philip Evans, who is as hot as any hitter in this team, I've been calling Moran, is not used. Your two best relievers, arguably, and Nick Burry. Well, Nick Burry is your best reliever, and arguably your second best reliever, Clay Holmes, never even get up in the bullpen at any point. At no point in this game were either of them even warming up. In the ninth inning, his fleas is melting down. You know, in the 10th, in the 11th, when Nebraska is putting guys on base, at no point did either of them ever even get up. And again, I get it. It's only four games, and maybe I'm just so conditioned to this because I was so frustrated and so over Clint Hurdle at the end of his tenure here. And a lot of what I've seen from Sheldon, especially on Monday night, just reminded me so much of Hurdle. Maybe that's why I'm so ticked off. But I wrote this in in the post-game wrap-up for the game on Monday that while Sheldon is doing a great job with the culture and the clubhouse, things of that nature, through four games – his in-game decision-making has me a little bit baffled. And again, I, I say this with the caveat that it's very possible the Pirates are trying to tank anyway. Uh, but regardless, as a fan, I'm extremely frustrated after Monday's loss. Well, and, and rightfully so, Marty. I mean, there's no, there's just really no realistic way you couldn't be. And I love the title of the article, Bad Night for Derek Shelton Leads to Loss. That's very uh, lenient on the man. Uh, guys, go check that out when you get the chance. Um, but there's just there, there's got to be, you know, and you want to give maybe a, a grace period here in the in the early going as he continues to get to know this team. But there's got to be somebody on that staff that sits down in both of these games, game one and game four, that says, you know, you're not even gonna you're not even gonna think about putting in Clay Holmes. You're not even gonna. uh, there's just really no answer to it great to see rich rod come back out and have a decent inning uh, monday night but we need some answers and and, um you know this was not an ideal start i guess for Derek shelton but it's good to see the pirates get at least one win in st louis um and and really a dominant win debut of jt brudenbaker i I love what we got what we got there and obviously nick birdie playing great there's some upsides to this bullpen. Really, you know, it felt like a week ago when we were talking after the exhibitions, there wasn't one guy that we could turn to outside of Nick Birdie that we really felt like we had, you know, had a little bit of confidence in. But now you see Chris Stratton throw a few quality innings. Uh, other guys, you know, you even mentioned it, Nick Turley coming in and not pitching in since 2017, but still figuring out a way to get out of a, a jam after allowing the one run. I think there's some positives to take away here from the bullpen, especially 
but I guess what what is the answer? You know, in a game like tonight, when we see a starter, when we see Stephen Brault and Chad Cool kind of split innings, how do they manage this team better? Because this is just not it, especially when the game goes to extras. Yeah, I agree in the bullpen. I mean, it's still it's going to be an up and down ride this year, without a doubt. But again, only four games. I keep harping on that. It's only four games, but four games in, I feel better about the bullpen than I thought I would. Because if you look at the guys who have struggled. Rich Rod, I expected him to struggle. Doivitis Nevarowskis, you know, he and Rich Rod are only on this roster because it's expanded 30 guys. Robbie Erling got shelled on Sunday. You had no idea what you were going to get in him. But, I mean, Nick Birdie just was filthy, absolutely filthy over the weekend in St. Louis. Clay Holmes, who I kind of had pegged as a breakout guy this year, looked very good in his outing Friday night. Chris Stratton has now pitched two scoreless outings. So I do think there's potential there, especially you mentioned JT Brubaker. Um, earlier today, actually, I was texting back and forth with David Slucer, you know, friend of the podcast, former contributor to Rum Bunter. And we were talking about Brubaker. And he and I both said that what kind of really caught us to Brubaker was we didn't expect him to come out slinging 91 mile an hour sliders with just filthy movement on them. So I think Brubaker is really intriguing to see what they do there. I think he could be dominant out of the bullpen. So I think you could have a nice little back end of the bullpen here with Brubaker, with Birdie, with Clay Holmes, Chris Stratton kind of being your fireman. But, you know, you're going to need more than that. And I'm still curious to see what Nick Turley can do this year. I know I kind of rant and raved about him earlier. And I, like I said, I give him a lot of credit for pitching out of that mess tonight, especially a mess that he really shouldn't have been put into. So I think he could potentially turn into something. I think whenever Blake Cedarlin eventually gets here, that'll be boosting over the bullpen as well. But right now, I mean, anytime you go to Neverowskis, you go to Robbie Erlin, you go to Rich Rod. I mean, even Michael Fleece, who I like still until he can find consistency. When you go to these guys, you know, you're going to hold your breath and you're going to worry. But, you know, it is what it is right now. One thing I will say with the bullpen and the starting rotation that I would like to see the team do. I thought Chad Cole was just electric on Monday night. I mean, his fastball. Yeah, yeah. I I don't. It was consistently in the mid nineties. I know he touched as high as ninety six, ninety seven. His slider was. I think it was a weapon, and he was painting. He was putting his pitches where he wanted them. If that's the Chad Cole we're going to get, just let him start. Just let him start. He has so much potential. And this is not a knock on Stephen Brault at all. I mean, my wife can attest to this. Stephen Brault, as much as I crap on him sometimes, is honestly one of my favorite players in baseball because, to me, I think he is truly the most interesting man in the world, not the Dos Equis guy. I mean, you have a guy who, yeah, he's a beekeeper. He sings opera. He pitches in the majors. Like, the dude does it all. And I do think Stephen Brawl can be a very good reliever. And I think Chad Cole can be a very good starter. So to me, that's a no-brainer on what to do there. But, yeah, yeah, the the bullpen, to get back to that, it's going to be a roller coaster all year. Because even take Birdie, as filthy and nasty as he is, he's got, well, I think like 15 major league innings, something like that. He's going to take his lumps at times this year. Mm -hmm. Brubaker, it's his first time in the majors. He's going to take his lumps. Clay Holmes is still young. He's going to have his moments. But I think you can see those guys with Chris Stratton thrown in there building the core for a good bullpen moving forward. 
but you can't throw the same three or four relievers every single night. You got to have other guys step up. And I think that's what really disappointed me in Michael Feliz on Monday night was if he would have gotten into trouble in the ninth inning because the Brewers were hitting missiles off him or something, that's one thing. But he was struggling with control, walking guys. That's really frustrated me. You have four run lead in the ninth, just throw strikes. Solo home runs are not going to hurt you when you have four run lead in the ninth inning. So, again, the bullpen is going to cause a lot of anxiety. It's going to cause a lot of drinking. But <laughs> it is what it is at this point. I, we just got to buckle up and be, be ready for these next couple of months with this bullpen. Stephen Brault is the true renaissance man. I mean, you think about it. The dude's singing the national anthem half the games. He's got the Tetris tattoos down his arm. There's, there's so much to like about the guy. Um, but I think he does. Like you said, I think he has a, a spot in that bullpen. And I think he understands that he can really contribute there. It's not a personal thing if, if they were to give the job to Chad Cool. Um, but, but to talk about Feliz a little bit more, you know, how much did we talk about it the other night with Michael McHenry? Confidence. We were seeing so much more confidence in some of these guys out of the bullpen, Feliz especially. But on Monday night, it almost seemed like he was too scared to even elevate the pitch a little bit. It felt like you know every second, third pitch was was just spiked because the dude didn't want to risk it. Is there still that that level of just you know overwhelming? I guess, lack of belief in yourself that, that we had seen so often throughout the Clint Hurdle, Neil Huntington era, I guess, is, is that still around here? I mean, I'm sure those traits are hard to break, but I think the thing with Feliz that just really is confusing to me at this point is he came out on Sunday in the eighth inning with a four-run lead and just was aggressive. He attacked the strike zone. He threw his best pitches. He threw that fastball up in the zone. He put his slider where he wanted it and challenged the Cardinals, who are a better lineup than the Brewers, to beat him, and they couldn't. He put them down in order. And then Monday night he comes out. Again, and that's what's so weird about yeah, it. It's like the same team, yeah, same, same situation. Exactly. Over. If anything, you're facing a lesser lineup, and it was the bottom half of the Brewer lineup. And it's a five-run lead or a five-to-one lead, excuse me, in the ninth inning. And he looked like you said that he looked afraid to throw strikes, which I just don't get. I mean, yes, he looked the leadoff man on a ball that garnered Bell's glove, which was not a misplay by Bell, which is a hearted ball. And then he gets smoke or gets the next hitter out for smoke reaches. And then he just he throws that wild pitch. He's walking guys. I just I don't get it. I don't understand what he was doing. I don't understand how the day before you could be in the exact same situation and be so aggressive. I don't know if he doesn't trust his stuff. Maybe he didn't feel strong in the arm after pitching back-to-back days. I really don't. And again, I don't put it all on him either because once once Lorenzo Cain reached to load the bases, he should have been pulled and it should not have been for Kyle Crick. But at that point, like once Eric Sogard got on, once he walked him, that's when I would have pulled the plug and would have gone to Birdie or Holmes. But but still, I just I, I don't know if the lack of confidence where it's coming from. But man, some of these guys just got to learn to trust their stuff. And if they can't learn to trust their stuff, they're not going to have a future in this bullpen or any other bullpen for that matter. 
You know, and I think that's what makes it so frustrating, this bullpen, is you see Feliz, who looks terrific on Sunday, and then Monday night looks like he can't get it out. You have Rich Rod, who gets shelled on Friday. Monday comes out and makes the Brewers look bad. Like, the guys have the stuff, but outside of two or three guys that we've talked about, no one looks confident in it. And that's the most frustrating part to me, and that is something that I do hope as the year progresses under Derek Sheldon, under Oscar Marine, can change and will change, but we're just going to have to wait and see at this point. It has to change. And if it doesn't, then, you know, you're looking at Kumar Rocker as a Pittsburgh Pirate uh, really soon. Um, but, you know, and... Hey, listen, if we, if we can throw Kumar Rocker in with Quinn Priester and Brennan Malone and Tanash Thomas and Jared Jones, and Carmen Majinski, I'm not exactly going to complain. So, uh, <laughs> we'll take that. The tank is on. Uh, listen, if you if you can give the Pirates, like, at that point, you're talking like seven or eight of the top, like, you know, 50-ish or so pitching prospects in baseball, that's fine by me. Uh, I will I will gladly suffer through a 1-59 season if that's the outcome. This is just, yeah, this is just a weird strategy that – Maybe wouldn't have gone over as well if they had made it official. You know, Kyle Crick. Yeah, we know Kyle Crick sucks, but we kind of need that first overall pick. No, there, there's just there's so much wrong um, with, with with really not everybody though. Like we've been talking about, and that's what's so frustrating about Monday night. You have a guy in Nick Birdie that did pitch on Sunday, but still could have easily pitched uh, the day after with all the confidence in the world could have come in in that situation still up five to three and I you know I'm sure would have had a much better chance than Kyle Crick but we don't see him and the Pirates don't win the game uh over the Brewers they were not the only losers in the NL Central on Monday night although the Cincinnati Reds were down eight to one at one point in their game they were down eight to one in the seventh inning of their game against the Chicago Cubs made it all the way back to eight to seven couldn't pull off the complete comeback they now sit at the bottom of the NL Central with the Pirates at one and three. The Cubs, now the Kings on top. St. Louis had an off day on Monday. Milwaukee moves to two and two. The NL Central so far, to me, really has, has shaken out almost exactly like I think everybody thought it would. That that Brewers Cubs series was pretty telling of how, you know, the Cubs aren't ready to to turn into seller mode yet. And the Brewers aren't really what they were. Um, but but I guess what are your thoughts on the NL Central as a whole throughout this weekend? Yeah, I, I think it was – I mean, it's first weekend of the year, so, you know, again, tough to take anything out of that. But definitely it was not a good weekend for the Cincinnati Reds to come out and lose a series to the Detroit Tigers, to lose Mike Moustakis to the injured list because of COVID-19, to lose Nick Senzel because of symptoms of COVID-19. That, that's definitely not good. You know, obviously, you run the risk of not just, you know, losing baseball games, but potentially having a team that winds up being in a similar boat to the Marlins where you're missing a lot of guys. And then to cap it all off on Monday night with having Craig Kimbrell just look like some sort of version of like Kyle Crick and Michael Feliz and Richard Rodriguez all rolled up into one human being. And for the Reds to still not be able to win that game against the Cubs is not good for them. Um I think, you know, the Cardinals, they are what they are. They're going to pitch well. They're going to hit just enough. I still think that's the team that wins the division. And the Brewers, I 
coming into the year, I was not high on the Brewers. And after Monday night's game, nothing's really changed. From seeing that team, that lineup is not nearly as deep as it's been in years past. I mean, after that top three or four, it really drops off. They definitely miss Eric Thames. They miss Yasmani Grandal. They miss Mike Moustakis. They miss a lot of those guys that they once had. And their pitching staff, I mean, you, you tomorrow you got Josh Lindblom going, who's not pitched in the majors since 2017, you know, doing his Nick Turley impersonation. That <laughs> bullpen outside of Josh Hader. Outside of Josh Hader. I mean, Corey Knable, if he's healthy, you know he's going to be a good reliever. We don't know if he's healthy. I thought that Devin Williams, who pitched for them tonight, showed some pretty good stuff. But – I just don't trust the Brewers pitching, and I don't think the lineup – they haven't had good pitching for a few years. But the last few years, the lineup has been so deep that it hasn't mattered. I don't think the lineup has the length this year that's had in years past to make up for any shortages in pitching. So I still think it's going to come down to the Cardinals. Um, I'm not feeling the Reds as much as I was preseason, but that is – largely due to losing Stockus, losing the Senzel as much as anything else. I think if they can get those guys back quickly, I still think it's the Cardinals and the Reds stop this division. But nothing through these first few games has made me steer off my choice of picking the Cardinals to win the National League Central. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I mean, this is, you know, in a 60-game season, it, you know, it is easy to to kind of look at every single game and say, oh, this team, you know, you better watch out for the Cardinals now or the Reds now because it is so short and, you know, it is a sprint. But we warned against this, against Cincinnati, being the sexy pick, being the favorite, you know, the underdog favorite almost. Um, but a lot of baseball to be played. Uh, some some really some positive takeaways from opening weekend throughout all of Major League Baseball. You hear a lot of players talking about how well the safety protocols have gone. I, I don't know about you, but I didn't think things were – quite as weird as maybe I expected. The cardboard cutouts kind of freaked me out. I saw one of them got drilled by a baseball, a little doggy, unfortunately. But um, it really, I don't know, it, it hasn't been as unusual as maybe I think everybody expected to this point. Yeah, it's, I really like the crowd noise. Um, my dad and I were talking about that earlier today, and we said, you know, if you listen to the game on the radio, for mm-hmm. example, you have no idea there's not people there with the crowd noise. It, it really is nice. So I think that's a big touch, and I hope that is something that other sports will look into adopting moving forward here as they start back up, assuming there's not fans in the stands. And I'm sure it's something players will appreciate as well because it keeps things as normal as possible where you can still hear all that background noise and things like that. So I, and I like the people in the stands. I, I don't find it as creepy. I mean, I don't want to see dogs get – hit with baseballs ever like i'd rather see a person get drilled and have a baseball than a dog let's be honest but no it's <laughs> it's it's just been fun to have baseball back and especially after the scare on monday i mean trey you and i nick were talking about this throughout the day we all were kind of on pins and needles afraid that with everything happened the marlins was going to leave the baseball getting shut down at least temporarily so i mean knock on wood we're still playing as of now and i mean even if they are not able to finish the season some baseball is still better than none and it's definitely made these last few weeks of summer a lot more entertaining than the previous couple of months had been with everything going on in the world. No doubt about it. And, you know, there was a scare this morning in Miami, and I think it, it kind of helps you realize how quickly this could get taken away um, just when we get it. But it, it's just so exciting to have Pittsburgh Pirates baseball back, 
to see the Rum Bunter live tweets, um, you know, just to celebrate with everybody in the community. Um, because in Pittsburgh, it is a passionate fan base, and people really, really care to get their team back, to get this ball club playing, getting Derek Shelton's first win in, in the opening weekend. I, I think it was really a great way to get things started. But some things have to change. Nights like tonight can't happen often this season if the Pirates want to have a chance. But they will, uh, they will continue to adjust and, and improve. And hopefully with Kayla potentially coming back and some others um, down the line, they will be in better position to win games. But tonight's outing was just unacceptable. Hopefully this team is able to move on and, and respond here as they continue against Milwaukee um, into the weekend. That is all the time we have for this episode of Rum Buncher Radio. You know, I hate these episodes, Marty, where we have to get on here and get all angry. Um, but but next time, you know, I, I have a feeling we're going to be a little bit more positive. I hope so. Um, I just saw on Twitter a minute or so ago that apparently after throwing his whopping pitch load of 11 pitches on Sunday, Nick Birdie was unavailable tonight. Um, I get it, though. They are trying to watch his workload because of how how little he has pitched in recent years. But, I mean, come on, seven pitches. It's, let him go. Yeah, I no, come on. Yeah, I, 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 I want you know, I want to make an excuse, but I know, but eleven pitch. Like, how do you throw in like twenty pitches yesterday? But eleven, like, if they lose another one run game against the Brewers and and Birdie does not appear in that game, yes. I'm probably gonna throw my laptop out of my living room window. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. We really don't want to have to resort to that. <laughs> the city of Pittsburgh, you know, it's true. The, the state of Pennsylvania will be set on fire. Yes. Like I, I don't want to have to pay for a new laptop and have to throw it out the window to make my point. I will just please next time this happens, go to Nick Birdie, go to Clay Holmes, go to anybody, anybody who is not named Kyle Crick. That's, that's all I ask at this point. Come on, Derek, for the sake of, of Marty's technology, please make the right decision moving forward here. We're going to have a full recap of the rest of this week in Pirates baseball and get you ready for the rest of this wacky wild season. But it is underway. One and three, maybe not what we were hoping for to start the year, but it is something and it is something to improve on as well. For Marty Leap, my name is Trey Yanity. Thank you for joining us this week. You can find us on fansided.com slash rumbunter. On Apple Music and, as always, on our social media, at Rumbunter on Twitter. We're going to have a mailbag episode real soon, guys. So please give us your thoughts, your comments, anything you want to hear us talk about, your shout-outs, whatever it may be. We'd love to hear from you on Twitter. But until next time, let's go Bucks. How to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.